allow me to wear shorts. I also don't have shoes currently on my feet right now. That's okay. Um, we are a church where it's okay to not be okay. And if I can be really honest with you, this week was not okay. The closer that we get to God, I've been challenging as we're going through the book of Hebrews, the closer that we choose to get closer to God, the closer we choose to get, the stronger the wind. Somebody asked me this morning, how was your week this week, man? I said, I felt like I was put into a washing machine, turned on, and no water. Just the agitator. Just beaten. But I have, I have something that I want to tell you this morning, and that's this. We did not time travel, but I, I want to tell you this. Ready? Happy Easter. <laughs> There's a lady that one time was in a hospital, and she kept getting on the people's nerves uh, that were waiting on her. They thought that she had, was losing her mind, that she kept repeating things. But every single day, the, the nurse would come in, and she would greet her. Ladies in terminal ill health, terminally ill health, not going to make it very long. And the nurse would come in, and the nurse would be busy about her job, and she would come in, and she goes, well, how are you doing today? And she goes, Happy Easter. <laughs> Ma'am, it's October. I know. Because my Jesus was raised from the dead, it's Easter every day, she would say. She wasn't clinically insane. She wasn't losing her mind. She was perfectly sound in her head. Because every day, if you're a follower of Christ, is Easter. So we have, you know, 51 weeks to get ready for next Easter. So we get ready. Now I have a couple of, uh, a couple of announcements uh, for you guys. But my, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection. And I just want to say thank you to a couple people. Uh, Jack, I think he walked out for a second. But uh, the band uh, up here, I don't know. We've we got to get a reverse microphone pointed at you guys. You guys sing red letters uh, well. Isn't it good to understand what the red letters mean? The red letters, if you don't know what that is, the red letters in your Bible are the words of Jesus' mouth. It's what he said. And there are many different lang- uh, religions in the world that seek to take those out of Scripture. They, cheeks, they, they, they try to change and they try to do this. But listen, listen, I was on death row spiritually. But the red letter saved my life. Because it's in the red letters that God says, I have a plan for you. It's in the red letters where Jesus admits that I love you, to love your neighbor, to all these instructions on how to live. It's life-altering and life-changing. And this morning when we were, we were, we were singing songs and we, I just got to be blessed to be up here and play and listen. I wonder, I wonder what, how happy and how big the smile it makes God in heaven when He looks down and He sees all of His kids, or soon-to-be kids, worshiping Him. All together singing at the same time. Then I read the red letters and the walls began to shake. Man. It's an exciting time to be a part of this church and in God's church, but it's, we have some stuff going on that is life-changing right now. I know, I know. It's a pretty big feat. Life-altering, life-changing. The first one happens today. Now, I've been preaching through Hebrews. This morning, you're going to get to hear from Colton, um, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But first step today, uh, Colton and I are going to be leading a first step. That is at Jeff and Debbie Staley's house. Um, Jeff, is, they attended the first service to go get their house ready. Um, they, are, they graciously opened their home. Um, she has a splendid array of coffee, if it interests anyone. Uh, amen is right. Uh, so... Uh, that's going to happen today. At, uh, it's 1 o'clock. As soon as you can get there, we'll go. I kind of know who's coming already. But I know that some of you are stubborn. And I preached on this a couple weeks ago that Jesus is bigger than our stubbornness. So because I knew that, and I may or may not have practiced stubbornness in my own life in the last, I don't know, couple hours. Um, I knew that some of you might wait till the last minute. So this is what we did. Are you ready? We made extra books. So if you want to join First Step today, it's First Step is a way that you can find out about our church. You can find out what we believe, uh, why we give to missions uh, with the way that we do, why we do face down the way that we do, why Matt does not have pants on right now. Why do, why is, why do you not have shoes on? Why, we seek to be culturally relevant. Um, there, there are over 100 churches in Jefferson County that are doing the same thing that basically they've always been doing. They change a little bit, but we seek to do... Listen, you have to hear this carefully. We will try to do everything short of sinning to reach somebody for God's kingdom. In a little bit, you're going to take, we're going to take one of the only offerings that we physically take in our church, and, and we're going to, at the end of the service, you think this is weird, we're going to give money to people to have them give away. Why do you do that? Come to First Step. I'll tell you. Maybe Colton can explain it better. But that's today. If you want, if you're just wanting to come and check out, say, "Hey, there's no pressure." You say, "Well, no, I'm, I'm still praying about it." Fine, fine. 
Still praying about it? Come for the coffee. Come and hang out with us. Uh, next Sunday. Okay. Now, it works okay if you're, coming, if you're a 9 o'clocker. But you guys are the 11 o'clockers. Okay? 11 o'clock service. If you come early next week at 9, you're just going to be early. If you come at 11 next week, you're going to be late. Actually, if some of you are playing this in your head, next week's dunk party, okay? Raised to life service. We're going to dunk some people in our baptistry, okay? We're going to show them how Jesus has changed their life. And we're going to represent the, the burial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in their life. That's to show you outwardly what has happened inside to their heart. Um, they become followers of Christ. But we have one service next week. One. If you've never been to a dunked party at Connection, you are missing out. Now, if you show up at 11 o'clock next week and say, Well, I heard what he said, but if I show up at 11 o'clock and they're not out of church yet, I'm going to get in line first. You will not be able to get chicken wings unless you have a stamped hand that you were in church. <laughs> some, of you, some, some of you know that we might even go to that kind of like... No, we won't. <laughs> if you don't have a stamped hand, it's a, one, Sunday, one service next week at 10 a.m. Okay, One service, 10 a.m. And the week after that, it'll go back to 9 and 11, but one service, 10 a.m. next week. Bring a finger food, uh, bring something to drink. Uh, you're, there's going to be a surprise. I'm not telling you what it is. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, but if you um, are, a, fu- are uh, a fan of very creative things, you're going you're gonna to like this. So come next week and enjoy with us. Uh, celebrate with the people that are going to get baptized. One service, 10 a.m., okay? Yes, we will have chicken wings. Bring some finger foods. And if you have social media, please just, just share the snot out of this, okay? Like, all, just put it everywhere. We want everybody to make sure that we were reminded uh, on Friday and Saturday and Thursday and everything like that. Last but not least, church camp. Church camp is coming up. Now, our leaders that are going have already turned in their money in their camp forms, but you still have time for the students. Now... I'm very, very honored to be a pastor of this church because we have eight people, eight adults. No, no, no. Some of them giving up vacation. They're paying some of their way to go, okay? But eight adults are going as staffers. Seven of these crazy humans are staying all week. They're staying all week with crazy children and me. But it's okay. There's coffee there. Uh, last year we, we set a record. We, we drank five pounds of ground coffee. <laughs> I know. I wish it was like an Olympic event. I mean, we'd be, we'd be in. But if you don't have your camp form in and you want your kid, that's gonna, that's, your child is going to go into fourth grade all the way up to graduated senior. Uh, there's a junior high camp week. They go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at noon. And then high school is Tuesday at noon through Saturday. There's financial assistance available. Uh, if, you, if you need some of that, um, you come and talk to me. I will, I will show you. There's some people in our church that said, hey, I will, I'll help pay a kid's, uh, help give them some money towards camp if they come in and mow my yard or get the leaves out of my gutters or whatever. There's all kinds of that stuff to do. We can hook you up. Uh, we just want you to feel welcome to come to me and ask about that. Uh, and... Last, last, but not least. Um, some of you deserve a medal, and I want to explain that. Some of you deserve a medal. Um, in 2014, we lost our former pastor to cancer. And for some strange reason, God called me here to be the next pastor. Some of you deserve a medal because you've put up with me for the last almost five years. And you've been with me through that actual 12-year journey of me trying to get better at being a pastor, better at delivering a sermon. And, and some of you have prayed for me daily, and I've felt it, and, and God has had just moved in my life. And Mike used to tell me, he said, he said, man, you start preaching at 34, by the time you're 60, you might have it. You, only need, you just need practice. So this morning, Colton is going to come up, and he's going to be expositorily, that's a seminary word, I'm very proud of him, he's expositorily, word by word, verse by verse, breaking down scripture in 1 Corinthians. This, is, this, this takes a lot of study. This takes a lot of, you can't just look at it and do it. Um, I'm proud of him. He's come a long way. We're not there, we're not there yet, I'm not there yet, but, but he's come a long way and I'm proud of him. And I'm, I'm thankful that we have a church that, that looks at growing, uh, ways to grow our, our people and to get them further to where they can more impact the kingdom of God. You, you sat down this morning in a very weird church. It's okay to not be okay. 
I get it. There's a lot of pain right right now this morning in here. There's a lot of people going through a lot of different things. But I just want to pray for you. I want you. I want to pray that God's Spirit just goes through our minds. That it, it shows us things in Scripture. Um, my worship handout from the first service. I'm going to have to maybe get another one or use a different side. There's a lot of information, there's a lot of notes, and there's a lot of good things that Colton has to say. So I'm going to pray for him, I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to get started. God, we love you so much. Thank you, God, for red letters. God, at the name of Jesus, the darkness has to flee. There's a lot of darkness in here this morning, God. People are going through a lot of different stuff. It's hurtful. God, you know me, you know my week. <laughs> but Jesus... If Jesus is greater than death, Jesus is bigger than Matt's last week. And I have to stand on that promise, God, that you are the God who says, I am. You are the God who has a plan for us. I pray for Colton this morning. God, I pray that you hide him. Uh, God, that we not see him uh, and we not see his lips move, but he would utter the literal words of you this morning, that he would, you would just use his body as, as a vessel to, to deliver your word. And God, that we can soak up what you have for us. God, thank you for worship. Thank you for music. Thank you for people that come to worship and sing to you. Oh, I can't imagine what that looks like to you. God, we love you. It's in your holy, precious, and wonderful name that we pray. Amen.
Thank God that He has a plan bigger than us. My name's Colton, and I want to welcome you to Connection. We are so glad that you're here and that you get to dive down into God's Word with us as we go today. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we will be there in a little while. But today is the fourth Sunday, like Matt said, and we do something really weird here at Connection, what we call Touch Someone's Life Gift. It's a gift where we, our regular church attender, our people that call Connection their home, if this is, if you're not, don't consider Connection your church home, then this is not for you, but sit back and watch. Because it's cool. It's awesome. We have a great group of people. But we're going to have a few people come up here, and they're going to pass around popcorn bags, because we have a lot of popcorn bags. But they're going to come and we're going to collect your pennies, nickels, dimes and we're going to go back and count it and they're going to come bring it back to me and we're going to give it to somebody to go give away in our community. It's weird. People don't do this. People in the world say it's my money and we're going to keep it. Right? I do what, what I want with it. But we want to be different. We want to do what God wants. We want to bless the people in our community. We want to affect people differently. We want to be the hands and feet of God. But we want to give this all away. But we don't want to stand in God's way either. And if you need $10, $15 to help finish uh, paying a bill that you weren't going to be able to pay this month because you didn't have that $10 or $15, then we, by all means, reach in that bag as it comes by you and pull out your $15 or $20 that you need. Because we want to align ourselves with God. We want to be His hands and feet. We want to be in line with His heart. If you are collecting those back, those, would you guys come up? So as they can pass, we'll get in and dive down. Uh, has anybody ever felt foolish? And done something and immediately regret it? So I have, I have a little story. Uh, where I've done this. Uh, I have this really cool scar across my elbow. <laughs> Some people that know the story are already laughing over here. <laughs> my wife loves this story. She laughs every time I tell it. But, and I, but I don't like to tell it because it makes me look really foolish. So back in high school, I was 17 years old. I said it, I was 17. I wasn't the smartest kid in the world. And I had a pickup truck. Perfectly good truck that I could go and drive whenever I wanted and, you know, do whatever I wanted. But I felt like it was a great idea. And my friends felt like it was a great idea. Because you know that's what friends are good for. They they tell you all these really good ideas. Then we're gonna ride our my bike, our bikes out of the back of our truck. Great, right? So nothing's going to go wrong here. Sounds perfectly logical, but and it's not it's not like a motorcycle. This is a pedal bike, guys. This is not going to be the smartest move. But I just decided off I went. As I came down, uh, bike threw me off the bike, and I landed on the concrete. And boom, like that, my elbow was broke in half. So, and then I got to have surgery and have this awesome scar to remind me how foolish I was. But I tell the story because that should be obviously that's not a smart idea, right? It looks foolish just by doing it. That's how the story and the and Christ coming down to die on the cross looks to the people of the world. 
It doesn't make sense that a Creator would come down to this world, live, teach how to be a good person, and then die for me. It doesn't make sense that He would love us that much to die for my sins. We're going to look in Corinthians at how Paul wants to point out how foolish the story looks, but how great it is. He wants us to be prepared. He's teaching the people of Corinth how to be prepared and how, what to expect when they go out and preach this. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the most the easiest thing to take in for people. But it matters so much. So, in verse in chapter 1, first half of the chapter I preached on last time I, I was I preached in. Now that was a long time ago, but I want to bring up kind of a recap of what we went through of how Corinth, the city, was this trade hub, right? It would be the central point. It would have had people flowing in it from all over the world because it was an easy access point to the other side, right? It, you didn't have to go very real far south and you just cut right through the middle here. So you would have your G, your Druze, your Greeks, your uh, Orientals from the Asia area, like all in one central location. And the church of Corinth could reach and spread like crazy. So, the, but there would be large portions of Jews and Greeks, and many travelers just coming in. And this message of a risen Savior. Somebody that died on the cross and then rose would look absolutely crazy. I don't know if anybody in here has seen somebody raised from the dead because I have not. And then have a group of people teaching that, hey, this guy came and he died and he rose for us and he wants to be in a relationship with you would be crazy. And still is. And we still get that and it still can be discouraging but let's look at verse 18 in chapter 1 the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction but we who are being saved know it's the very power of God so if you're in a D group uh, if you don't know what a D group is D group is where we're uh, a group of there are several groups of us that are studying the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, and going all the way through the Bible in about ten months or so. And we do it, and we talk about it. But this, but we have memory verses every week for this. And this was one of them, not that long ago. Um, but Paul, even back in the the day knew that this was going to look crazy and he really wanted us to be prepared because a guy dying for somebody else and coming in dying for my sins will look foolish and in my mind it doesn't equal it does not equal out that somebody should die for me for my sins, for my uh, shortfalls. It, it just doesn't make sense. But thank goodness, God's math is not my math. So I've heard, I've been told that uh, I've been in situations and conversations where people say, my belief is crazy. I, when I um, was kind of rebellious and not going to church all, all consistently before I decided to answer God's calling on my life to really seek Him, I used to work out all the time. As you can tell, it's not that way anymore. But, <laughs> but I used to be in the gym two, three times a day 
I do two or three classes a day and really focused on being healthy and being stronger and being more talented. And I was with a group of guys and we would we'd do all this and then we, we'd hang out afterwards and, and work out even more, right? These guys weren't the greatest of people like spiritually. They, weren't, they didn't go to church. They didn't understand my beliefs of why I would go and spend time and believe in a Savior that doesn't consider me good. Because we all fall short no matter how much, how many good works we do, how many good deeds, deeds we do. But they questioned me. And they asked, why? Why? Why would you go spend your time like that? It just doesn't make sense. And I can't say that I knew all the, I had all the answers in, but I knew that my heart was in the right spot when telling them because God loves us. And I know it's true. They couldn't wrap their heads around how I could follow a God that considered me an awful person. No matter how much good I do, the guys weren't unintelligent. They weren't necessarily bad people either. They did a lot of good work. They helped, they helped a lot of people. But they didn't get why I had, they had to believe in something to go to heaven. But this is just proof that we're still 2,000 years removed and it still doesn't make sense. Because they're not unintelligent. It just doesn't make sense in a human perspective. Through faith and self-denial and self-sacrifice, the cross is perceived as foolish and weakness. But God uses it to show His wisdom and power. And if we follow Christ, this is part of us. And He goes on in verse 18, or 19, uh, As the Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So Paul is using Old Testament to back up what he's saying and what God did by sending His Son to die on this cross. He pulls it from Isaiah chapter 29. It says, Because of this, I will once astound these hypocrites as with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. God wasn't was really clear in the Old Testament that His plans aren't going to make sense to us. He knew it was going to be hard for us to believe. He knew it was going to be hard for people to make the connection. But I'm glad His ideas are not my ideas. Let's look at the blank on your worship handout. You got one of these? Probably for me because I was passing them out last service. But if you want to open up to the middle page, there is some blanks and kind of a flow of how we're going to go through uh, the second half of chapter 1. But your first blank on your worship handout is God doesn't make sense on paper. God doesn't want to be able to be explained away by our own rational thinking. He doesn't, that's why He sent His Son to die on the cross because it removes any other possibilities. The cross only makes sense when God is involved. The only way a creator of the world dies for the created is in God's math. It doesn't happen in any other religion. Christianity is the only religion that says the Creator came down and died for the creation. Our works will not get us to heaven. Only our faith in the fact that Christ died on the cross and was raised and God raised Him from the grave three days later will save us. 
God dying for my sin and your sin doesn't make sense or equal out. In my mind, I'm not worth the Creator of the world dying. But His love says He he wants us. He wants to be a part of us. And I'm glad that His wisdom is not mine. And I'm glad God is greater than my thoughts. See a lot of... Uh, I was writing the sermon and I saw a lot of similarities and, and crazy to see how God works as I was going. That's, oh, you can tie this in with Matt's uh, sermon through Hebrews and that we can really just see how God wants everything to tie together. But God wants me in spite of my sin. He loves me even in my darkest of times. He was there for me when I fell short, when I'm dumb, when I'm foolish. And do you see how hard it could be to explain? How to tell somebody, hey, no matter where you're at, God wants you. verse 20 it says so where does this leave the philosophers the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish Paul doesn't pull any punches rarely in his uh, any of the books that he wrote in the Bible does he pull punches He, he gets right to the point he doesn't mix his words but he calls out the so-called intelligent people of, the wor- of that day and asks where their knowledge has led them to concerning the, go- the gospel. The philosophers, Paul would be referring to here, would be the Greeks. And then the scholars comes from a word, uh, grammon. it's a Greek word, it's I can't say it very grammatus, which means scribe or the teacher of the law. So scholars would be referring and referring to the Jewish professionals who were skilled in the law, the 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 Pharisees, the people that studied it every day, and the world's brilliant debaters would cover pretty much everybody else, right? Because I want to explain away what God has, what Jesus has said, and what He has called us to do. Matt kind of touched on it when he was doing the announcements here. God called, Jesus says to love your neighbors as yourself. But me, as being a brilliant debater, says, that's easy. You know, I uh, live next to my grandparents and my aunt and uncle. That's real easy to do to love the people that live next to me. But that's not what God, what Jesus meant. He meant every body that we come in contact to. By piece, I pull that little piece out, right? And poke and prod and make the scripture work for me, right? But Jesus means. That we've loved everybody. This is just a tiny example of what we do as humans, whether we're Christ followers or not. God's wisdom doesn't follow what the world says. And He makes the great philosophers and scientists look foolish when they try to explain Him away. In verse 21, it says, Since God in His wisdom saw it, that the world would never know him through human wisdom he used our foolish preaching to save those who believe God knew we couldn't make it there on our own he knew we couldn't figure it out ourselves even though that creation screams out that there is a creator so he uses foolish people foolish people like me to spread the good news 
that He loves us and He wants to be a part of our lives. Your next blank in your worship handout. God uses everyone who believes to bring more people to Christ. He uses you. He uses our mistakes, our good... uses our situations, whether good or bad, to make relationships with people, to bring them closer to Christ and into the presence of God. Why would an all-powerful God use someone like me? A guy who is arrogant, who puts his needs over others, who can be a jerk. But God uses all. Uses us all and He wants to use more of us. But we make excuses that we can't do it. That we're not qualified. In the video, right at the end, Nick, the guy that was talking, said, if God can use a guy without arms and legs to be His hands and feet, who can He not use? So what excuses do we use? What, do, what excuses do I use? I was challenged that it doesn't, any of my excuses doesn't make sense. They don't hold up, especially with a statement with a guy that doesn't have arms and legs that is truly pointing everybody he comes in contact to God. I don't have an excuse. Verse 22, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs for heaven and the foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. We are not willing to know God just by faith alone, right? We are always seeking for, just like the Jewish used to ask Jesus all the time, show us the miracles so we can believe in you. And it was, and after that one, it was another one. And another one. And we just keep seeking, but never believing. And then the Greeks, they sought wisdom. Something they can think through. And Christ dying on the, on the cross is not something you can just think through. And I thank God that God does not submit Himself to the thinking of mankind. But we instead have to submit ourselves to God in faith. Knowledge of God can come through surrender to God and through claims, not through claims on Him. Man's wisdom is, is a wisdom that we can master, we can think through, but God's wisdom masters us. He puts us in perspective because it doesn't make sense. We can't wrap our minds around it. If we can see it, if we can think it through, if we can touch it, we can explain it away. But, and if we can see it, we don't rely on God. And if we don't rely on Him, we don't surrender to Him. The Jews in this time would be very offended if you came and said Jesus died for our sins and He rose from the grave. Because that would be like telling them that they crucified their Savior, their Messiah that they were expecting and they killed Him. It doesn't make sense. They were expecting someone like King David 
to come back and just rule politically and just take over the world like that and they would have, have it great from then on out. But God's wisdom is bigger than that and wanted a relationship with everybody. And then the Greeks, on the other hand, would look at the death of Christ as nonsense because only criminals died on the cross. And there was no way for a Savior to come in to power. But God is greater than our knowledge. In verse 24, it says, But to those who called to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So have you accepted Christ as your Savior, as your Lord of your life? Because if not, don't, don't wait. You can get baptized next week. If you need to talk to somebody, come talk to me afterwards. But don't wait. If you haven't allowed Him to change the way you think and align your heart with His, His wisdom is much better than us. His knowledge is bigger than us. His life, He wants to be a part of your life. Don't wait. Christ on the cross, His death and resurrection is the power and wisdom of God. I can't wrap my mind around it, but and the math doesn't equal out. All science seems to go against a man raising from the dead. But it's made whole with God. Your next blank in your worship handout. God's wisdom is Christ's death and resurrection. Without this, there would be no hope. We wouldn't have a purpose. God's wisdom is good and perfect. And without the cross, man would still have to die. We still wouldn't have hope. We still have no relationship with God. But He sent His Son to conquer the grave and save us from our sin that we put ourselves into. Without Christ crucified, we cannot have Christ resurrected. And without Christ resurrected, we don't have any hope. Verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes and powerful or wealthy when God called you. So the church of Corinth, people... This wasn't your wealthy aristocrats, right? This wasn't your people that of power that were in this church. But God was using them to affect the whole world. They were reaching people that couldn't be reached by people of power. They were reaching anybody and everybody that came into them. And they were preaching God's Word from the moment they were, they were called. And we should be different. We should be weird. Jump the lines there. But they were reaching their communities. How are we reaching ours? We do it one way by collecting money in a popcorn bag. It's weird. But how can we do it better? How can I be more impactful to the church, to the people around me, to my community? How can you reach more people? How can you serve a bigger part? 
We need to ask this question of ourselves because if we're not reaching the world and changing the world and if we don't start doing it better soon, it's going to be crazy. It's already crazy and it's already and it's getting crazier. Look at verse 27. Instead, God cho- chose things of the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerful, powerless to shame those who are powerful. We should be different and we should be weird. That's giving away popcorn. Weird. Or money is bags of popcorn. <laughs> bags of mo- uh, money away to people is weird. It's different. I want to be bigger. I want to affect more people. I want to reach more people. I want them to have a relationship with Christ because I don't want them to miss it. Verse 28. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing. Use them to bring nothing what he what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God uses broken things and He uses broken people to reach the world around us and to bring glory to His name. He does this because people like me, if I did it myself, then I would just say, I would take all the credit. But he doesn't want that. Because we're not good people. Don't take me wrong there, but our sin still separates us from God if we do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 30 and 31. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure, holy, and free us from our sins. Therefore, the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only in, about the Lord. Last blank in your worship handout. God uses broken people. Thank goodness. God wants us to breathe out Jesus. He wants us to be a part of a change that affects our world that affects our world in a positive way and to reach people no matter the circumstance. Do you have that those bags of money? $214.46 split over two bags of $107.23 a piece. Does anybody want to give one of these away? Somebody? You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I want to pray over these bags before we go. And I want to pray over you guys that we can go out and affect the world and bring people to Christ. You want to bow your head. But Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you use broken people. God, I just thank you that you... Use foolish people like me to preach about your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray if anybody in here doesn't know you, that they just seek after you and chase after you and come and talk and we get them dunked next week, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we can affect our community in this world like no other. 
Well, I pray over these bags of money that they go out and they can truly be impactful to the uh, lives of the people that they are meant for. Lord, I just pray that we as a church body can affect a multitude of people. I just pray all this in your son's name.